0: It may not feel like it, but it's less than four weeks till Christmas. Isn't that ridiculous? And at this time of year, so many of us are encouraged to think about uh, what we want to get for Christmas. But as that little advert from about ten years ago suggested, giving is actually more satisfying than getting. As Jesus said, it's more blessed to give. Than to receive. And sometimes people are incredibly generous. As the the five million euro, I think it was, that was donated on the Toy Show Appeal on Friday night shows. And yet we also live in a world that's incredibly selfish. Greed and materialism pushes us to want more and more in our lives. Gambling, for example, is becoming an epidemic A recent report estimated that two-thirds of Irish people take part in gambling. Two-thirds. And GamblingCare.ie reported that during this pandemic, they saw an 180% increase in the number of people looking for help with their gambling problems. And then at the same time as as all all of us are going after all of this money and things and, and possessions, 700 million people in this world. Are living in extreme poverty on less than one dollar ninety a day, and this, and during this pandemic, another 120 people, 120 million people, sorry, have entered into that form of extreme poverty. In sub-Saharan Africa, one in three children will experience stunted growth because of insufficient food. And then a figure that I can't get my head around. I read that 25,000 people a day die in the world due to hunger. This world is really messed up, isn't it? And of course, you and I can't fix that. As we were thinking about last week, we are longing for the day when Jesus will return and he will sort all of this out. He will fix the problems of this world. But that doesn't mean that we're just called to sit back and wait for that day and do nothing. Today we're called to make a difference. To reject the selfishness of our sinful nature. And instead be like that little boy in that advert and focus on giving rather than getting. And in this final chapter of his letter to the Corinthians, Paul gave some really helpful guidelines for giving. And we're going to read a passage this morning that just helps us to understand that so it's 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and it's verse 1 to 3 to 4 and Caroline's going to read for us this morning, thank you Caroline now about the collection for God's people do what I told the Galatian churches to do On the first day of every week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If they seem advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Thank you very much, Caroline. so what can we learn from this passage about giving well the first question I want to ask is who should give who should be doing this and the answer is a simple one Paul says in verse 2 each one of you should sometimes I think we try to shift the responsibility to give to somebody else We complain that the really wealthy people, they should be the ones who are giving. And we excuse maybe our lack of giving by saying things like, well, I would if I had more money. Or if my circumstances were better. Or if I had a better job. Or when I'm a little bit older or whatever. But Paul believed that giving was not just for some of us. It wasn't just for the wealthy or the successful or the comfortable. In fact, Paul commended the churches in Macedonia because out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They gave even when their circumstances were very far from ideal. So God wants us, whatever our age, whatever our circumstances, if we are following Jesus, and if it is at all possible then God wants us to be involved in giving. But then, secondly, who should we give to? Well, look at verse 1 for us. It says, now about the collection for God's people. I don't think Paul was that much into programs or organizations or even just ministries. Instead, he wanted this church to give to people. And we're called to do the same. Even when we we give for things to do with our church, like pay for our rent or pay for equipment and stuff like that, we're not doing it because those things are important. Because of course they're not. We're, We're focusing on those things because they allow us to then go and serve other people. They allow us to reach out to people or to minister to people. It's people before things. That's God's priority. And God wants us to give to all kinds of people. Galatians 6 and 10 says this, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. We're not called to to limit our care just to some people and not to others. God wants us to give to all people. But in this passage, Paul is not asking people to this church to give to everyone, is he? He said, this was a collection for God's people. For other Christians. Some of the Christians in Jerusalem, they were really struggling in severe poverty. Maybe that was because of persecution, or maybe because there was a famine that had been uh, prophesied, and it's recorded in, in Acts chapter 11. And maybe that's why the people, the Christians there in Jerusalem were really struggling. But whatever the cause, whatever the reason for that, these Christians were in real need. Which again, just a little aside, shows that this prosperity gospel idea just isn't supported by the Bible at all. And so Paul wanted the Christians in Corinth to contribute to his collection, to specifically support the Christians in Jerusalem. This wasn't a collection for all the poor in Jerusalem, but it was a collection for God's people, for the believers in Jerusalem, who were poor. And that's because, even although God wants us to give to all people, we have a greater responsibility to care for our fellow Christians. Galatians 6 and 10 goes on to say, let us do good to all people, that's what we read earlier, Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why is that? Well, it's because God has given us a priority to care for our family first. That, that applies to our natural family. So Paul writes to Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yes, God wants us to care for, for everyone, but he's specifically given us a greater responsibility to care for our own family first. And then in a similar way, we have a greater responsibility to care for our spiritual family first. They are the ones that God has especially entrusted to our care. To make a priority of caring for them. If you remember back in, in the book of Acts, this was a real feature of the early church. Luke wrote that there were no needy persons among them. In the early church in Jerusalem, there was nobody who was living in poverty. Why was that? Well, it wasn't just because God miraculously expanded their, their bank accounts, but it was because that church looked after each other. They gave sacrificially to what, with, with what they had, so that those who were in need would have their needs met. But when we do this, we don't actually just only give to God's people. We actually also give to God. This is what Paul wrote to the Philippians. He wrote a letter to them to thank them for a gift that he had received from them. And in his letter he said that their gifts were a fragrant offering. An acceptable sacrifice. Pleasing to God. This money that they had given to him, he saw that they were actually giving it to God. It was part of their worship. Our giving is part and parcel of our worship as a Christian. Anytime we give to someone in need, because we're following Jesus, we are giving to God. We are worshipping Him. Remember, you remember in Jesus' parable about the sheep and the goats. Remember that parable? And Jesus said to those who, who, who He blessed, Whatever you do, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did For me. Whether we give, whatever we give, whether it's money or time or care or whatever. If we give it because we're a follower of Jesus, we're giving it to Jesus himself. So that's who should give and who we should give to. The third question is how should we give? Well, Paul gave here specific guidelines to this church about how they should support this collection. And some of them are kind of specific to this church, so we can't use them as rules. This is not the Bible imposing rules on how we give, but we can glean from principles that we can he- that help us as guidelines in knowing how we should give in our lives. So look at verse 2 again. Paul said that each should put aside some money on the first day of every week. On the first day of every week. Why was that? Well, I think that's probably because this church met together on the first day of every week. Just like churches have down through the centuries to celebrate Resurrection Day. The day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we meet here on a Sunday morning. Because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we are the resurrection people, as we were thinking about over the last few weeks. So, although each person in this church had the responsibility to give, Paul wanted them to do this together, when they met together. Their giving was supposed to be a a community activity. And it's the same for us. It's good for us individually and directly to give to those in need. And these days, we have such freedom to be able to do that. Much more than ever before. You can just go online, go go onto a charity website and, and give to somebody in need. It's great. It's amazing. But it's also important for us as a community of God's people to join together and give. It's an important aspect of our community life. Just as, like, as we're called to, to serve God individually in our lives, but it's also important that we serve God together. So we should be a giving church. Paul also wanted them to do this, if you see in verse 2, every week, the first day of every week. This wasn't just be a sporadic thing or a once-off thing. This was supposed to be a regular part of their community life. I think there's just a practical reason for this. Systematic giving means that we will be prepared to help people when those needs arise. If we don't give regularly, then we'll probably spend that money and then not have it to to give when somebody is in need. I think there's more to it than that. Because as we regularly, week on week, are giving, then we're week on week reminding ourselves that we're serving God and not money. It's it's an expression of our commitment to the Lord. We're regularly declaring that Jesus is Lord of our finances, as well as every other aspect of our life. But there's another reason for this why Paul told them to put aside money every week verse 2 again it was so that when I come no collections will have to be made Paul didn't want to arrive in Corinth visiting and, and tell them all about the needs of the people in Jerusalem and get them all to make a big collection and give money why not? why would that have been a bad thing to do? Well, we need to go into Paul's second letter to find out why that's the case. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 5, Paul says, Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Regular giving meant that this giving wasn't a kind of an emotional response to an impassioned appeal for money. Nor was it given reluctantly. Out of a sense of embarrassment, oh here's Paul, we better give. Instead this would be voluntary. This would be an overflow of their hearts. And so if you notice, Paul here didn't tell them how much to give. He just said a sum of money. In fact, in his writings, Paul never gives us us any amount that he expects each person, each Christian to give. We've been reading through the Torah in our our daily reading. And in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were called to tithe. Give 10% of their income, especially to those who worked in the temple, serving God. There was also a temple tax, which was half a shekel each year per person. But Paul here, in his writings, doesn't talk about tithes or duties. Instead, he talks about here... Your gift. That's the word charis. The word grace. This was a free gift. And that's how God wants us to give. As Paul says in Second Corinthians 9, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Our offering is not supposed to be a duty or an obligation. It's to be a free gift, a giving willingly, with joy in our hearts, cheerfully. So as a church, I'm sure you've noticed, we have an offering box at the back, in the little porch there. Rather than pass a background. Not because, you know, those churches that do it that way, they're terrible. It's not saying that at all. So that we have an opportunity to give as part of our regular worship, but nobody's put under pressure to give. Nobody's going to be giving because they're embarrassed about it, or because they're forced to do it, or they feel a compulsion to do it. Because if they do give that way, there's just no value in it for God. It has to be an expression of our hearts. It has to be voluntary, coming because we want to give. So Paul doesn't give us an amount to give. But he does help us to know how much to give in one way. He says again in verse 2, each person should give in keeping with his income. So there's not a percentage, not a 10% or 5% or 20%. There's none of that kind of thing. But there is a principle. Our giving should be proportionate to what we have. Those who have more money should give more money, and that's just the principle of stewardship. So Jesus says in Luke chapter twelve, "From the one who has been entrusted with more, with much, much more will be asked." The one who has been entrusted with, whether our income comes from a wage, or from our parents, or from benefits or from gifts, or inheritances, or anything else. We need to recognize that it comes from the Lord. It has been entrusted into our care. It's not our money. It belongs to the Lord, but He's handed it to us to manage for Him. And so if He's given us more, He expects more from us. And if we have less, then he expects less from us. Now, that doesn't mean that we can just give him whatever can kind of spare change in our pocket. We're often to give in ways that are really sacrificial. Again, the giving of the Macedonian churches were like that. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. They, they gave generously, sacrificially, and that's a way that God that honours God. But it does mean that when we're thinking about our giving, we shouldn't measure our giving according to what other people give. We shouldn't be comparing our giving with others. For example, Jesus was unimpressed when the rich people at the temple put in large amounts of money into the temple treasury. Instead, he commended a poor widow who put in two tiny copper coins worth hardly anything. But it was because they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So we can't compare our giving to others. We're never going to have a league table of, of givers in our church and see who's at the top. Because, not apart from that's terrible and we we'll never do it, but it's because that's, that doesn't value our giving. That doesn't measure how good we're giving. Because we are called to give, not in comparing to other people, but in comparing or in proportion to what we have. But there's one final principle about how we should give. We should give carefully. Paul wanted the money to be carried to Jerusalem by men you approve. Paul was extremely careful in his handling of money. Paul knew that Christian ministry and witness can be destroyed by doing that badly. And so instead of getting that money and putting it in his pocket and carrying it to Jerusalem himself, he asked the church to choose trustworthy people who would then administer this gift. That they would trust with this gift and trust that they would take this gift and pass it on to those who are in need. And as he said in the second letter, we are taking great pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, But also in the eyes of men. That's such an important principle for us when we're thinking about giving. When we're handling money, when we collect and administer our giving, we need to do it in a way that's not only right in the eyes of the Lord, but is also legal and open and honest in the eyes of people. That's why we're so grateful to our trustees. Who make sure, who supervise our finances and ensure that we do everything according to the various laws that are in, the, in our country. It's also why we have two signatures every time our, our offering is collected, or why we have two signatures on every check that is written. Accountability is such an important principle when we're handling money, so that we're doing it right in the eyes of the Lord and also that other people can see that we're doing it right. As Paul wrote earlier in this letter we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. So we should all be giving and we should be giving especially to God's people and we should be giving jointly and regularly and voluntarily and proportionately and carefully. But lastly Why should we give? Why should we do this? And what should motivate us to do this? Well, later in this chapter, and we'll see next week, Paul wrote, do everything in love. And that takes us back to chapter 13. If you remember that great chapter on love. And here Paul wrote, if I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. Like everything in our Christian lives, our giving must be motivated by love. Paul was involved in this project because he cared about these, his Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. He wanted to ease their suffering because he loved them as his family. And in the same way, our giving must be motivated by love. But this was not just an expression of love. This was also an expression of unity. If you remember, Paul's, one of the Paul's reasons for writing this letter was to call this church to express real unity with each other. He, remember he said that he wanted them to be perfectly united in mind and thought. This Local church were tearing itself apart and he was calling them to get together and to be together, be united together. But Christian unity goes beyond just our local church. We're also called to express unity with all of our other brothers and sisters in Christ all over the place. And so it seems that Paul saw this gift as a wonderful opportunity to to express and to deepen this unity. For this mainly Gentile church to give to the mainly Jewish church in Jerusalem. These people normally outside of the church would have nothing to do with each other. Gentiles and Jews hated each other, had nothing wanted, didn't want to see each other, spend time with each other. But this was an amazing expression of the unity that they have found in Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So as we give to other believers, inside our church or or even outside, especially outside, we have an, an opportunity to express and deepen our bonds of unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We give to them because they are our family. Maybe they're separated by language or by culture or by experience or by thousands of miles. But we're saying that we're together in Christ. That they are part of our family. of course, this is only possible because God, first of all, has given to us. The Gospel declares that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. So that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So despite our sin and rebellion, God loved us with such deep compassion that He gave the greatest gift ever. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be declared righteous in God's sight. So that we could be united together as children in God's family. And so our giving should simply be a response of gratitude to the one who's given first to us. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Giving is to be the overflow of a grateful heart that is just overwhelmed by the reality that Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. But finally, it's also an expression of faith. Paul wrote this really practical passage right after that amazing, lofty, high and wonderful passage we've been looking at over the last three weeks, this chapter on the resurrection. And it may seem initially strange, if you're reading through this letter, that after the heights of declaring Jesus' victory over sin and death, he would kind of bring his back down to earth with a bump and talk about collecting money for people who are poor. But that's what faith in the resurrection should do. Maybe you've heard people say—I certainly had—have heard people say that that person is so heavenly-minded they're no earthly use. It Means they're just they're they're just always focusing on heaven, so they're just not eh, they're not involved in anything on earth. They just don't seem to have, have any interest in the things of earth. But the Apostle Paul would disagree he taught that if we really trusted in Jesus and really lived in the certainty of the resurrection, then we'd be more generous with our money and time and care and love. So in Jesus' ministry, there was a rich man who came, a young rich man who came to Jesus. And he asked Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. And eventually Jesus said to him, Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But this man, he loved and he trusted in his wealth. More than he loved and trusted in Jesus. So he left. He chose to hold on to his earthly wealth. Because he really didn't believe in the wealth of heaven. But Paul taught Timothy that those who give generously will lay treasure up for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. God has promised that if we give to him, we ultimately do not lose out. Yes, we give away our money. Yes, we lose out what we might have had through that money. We, we lose out in possessions. Our, our, life, our lifestyle level would, would go down. We might not have the things that other people would have. But we store something far better in heaven. We put ourselves in God's hands. We push into the reality of what God has promised. And we trust in His eternal reward. Which is better by far than anything this world can give. So last week in the light of the resurrection, Paul called us to always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. And giving our money is part of the way that we do this. When we give, we don't only express the love of Christ. Or our unity in Christ. Or our gratitude to Christ. We also express our faith in Christ. We declare that because of the resurrection, we believe that our giving is not in vain. It is not useless. It is not pointless. It is not a waste of time. Because rather we are storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Because that is where our heart is. And that is where we're heading. So why did Paul talk about giving right after talking about the resurrection? Well, it's because of the resurrection that it truly is more blessed to give than to receive.